There are over 1.6 million acres of national forest in Western North Carolina. That means there are far more places to explore than just what's turning up in your social media feed. So, with a little planning ahead, you just might be able to enjoy a relaxed and uncrowded Blue Ridge adventure and not have to backpack into the middle of the wilderness to find it. In this episode, I talk about some of the areas I've been exploring, where I am planning to go, and I share some of the killer resources I've been using to help me get there, as well as plan for future adventures. I also talk about conservation, land planning, and leave no trace principles. And the best part? This episode is just in time for fall, an absolutely magical time of year here in the Western North Carolina mountains. I am so glad you're here. You're listening to Exploration Local, a podcast designed to explore and celebrate the people and places that make the Blue Ridge and Southern Appalachian Mountains special and unique. My name is Mike Andrus, the host of Exploration Local. Join us on our journey to explore these mountains and discover how they fuel a spirit of adventure. We encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Let's go. If you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, then you really know that this podcast is interview-centric. It's guest-centric. So it's really all about the people that we have come on the podcast versus it being about me and my stories or the host stories or whatever it may be. So it's not about me. It's all about our guest. I think that's what you all enjoy coming here for. But this particular episode, I'm going to be running solo. It's been a while since we've done this. I look back in the records, and I think it's been since like March that I've done a solo episode. So uh, you're probably thankful for that. Uh, I know I am too. A lot of times it's much easier to interview somebody than it is to sort of riff here solo and uh, go through. But but the things I want to share with you today are really kind of some things that have been on my heart, and I'm really kind of hoping that it will benefit not only people who are unfamiliar with this area or they're looking to come and adventure to the to to western north carolina to the blue ridge mountains to the north carolina smokies or whatever it may be but i'm also hoping that it's going to be helpful for those who live here and or maybe you travel to the blue ridge mountains quite frequently and you're just looking for something new you're looking for new adventures new places to go we're all creatures of habit you know, I have my favorite spots and they're my go-to spots. And, and there are times that I really have to sort of push myself to, to, to get outside of my own comfort zone and go begin to explore some, some other areas. So that's the big, that's the big idea for today. That's a big idea for this episode. Um, that being that there are so much that you can do here in the Blue Ridge Mountains. There are so many places to go. There's so many things to see. There's so many different types of adventure that it truly can be overwhelming. Um, maybe I'm the only one, I don't know, but I have to believe that there's other people that probably feel that very same way as well. The other reason I wanted to come on here and do a solo episode is because we are bumping right up towards the fall season. It's hard to believe. I know we're here in the month of August. However, the fall season will be on us before you absolutely know it. And one of the things that I recognized from last year is that there are a lot of people who look to social media, so Instagram and Facebook and some of these other forms of social media for places to go. So they're involved in groups, they're involved in pages, and I think that's fantastic. I have learned so much myself. Um, I certainly don't sit here and pretend to know that I know every single place to go and that I've experienced every waterfall and every trail. That, that I'm discovering this stuff um, right along there with a lot of you all. But one of the things that I recognized last year 
and I know that you can't get away from this, but the fall season is, I mean, our leaves are beautiful. There's so many things to do. You don't have as many snakes on the, on, on the trails. You can get out and, and you know, and enjoy the cool, fresh air. Uh, you go apple picking, whatever it is that you do for your fall thing. But one of the things I can tell you that's a common denominator up here is that it is just crowded as all get out in the fall. Now, we're never going to be able to get away from that. It is what it is. We accept it. Everybody wants to enjoy it. Nobody has the monopoly on the views. So everybody wants to be a part of it. But what I'm hoping that we might be able to do today is at least give you a few resources that you can um, use as your adventure planner and use it as a way to expand your own personal horizon other than just the places that you see on the you know, Instagram picture worthy uh, sites and places. So hopefully that's going to be a benefit to all of us. And in a lot of ways, this is really a peek into my own personal adventure discovery list. Now, my personal adventure discovery list, honestly, is nothing more than me being a list person. So I like to make lists. They're very helpful for me. Sometimes I can get overwhelmed that there's too many details, uh, but this helps me to sort of drill down. So my personal adventure discovery list, we are going to be focusing on a few resources, as I mentioned, and I'm hoping that you will find this to be very helpful for yourself. So what we're going to be using as the basis of our personal adventure discovery list are actually going to be challenges. Okay. So in these challenges, we have some waterfall challenges, we have lookout tower challenges, we have some hiking challenges that I want to bring to your attention. And you must know that I did not invent any of these whatsoever. So you all know that we've had Kevin Adams on, who is the author of North Carolina Waterfalls. We've had Peter J. Barr on, who's the author of Exploring North Carolina Lookout Towers. And then there's a, another organization that I'm looking into, um, and I'm hoping to have them on the podcast soon, is Conserving Carolina. And they have done some amazing conservation efforts in protecting our lands and making sure that they didn't become condo units that we could still hike on. And we're going to talk about those a little bit here, too. So um, as we kind of get into this, we're going to talk about three major things. We're going to talk about waterfalls. We're going to talk about some lookouts where you can get some epic views for the fall. Uh, and then also some hiking challenges. And my hope is that these checklists or these challenges are going to be things that are going to really help all of us drill down to the granular level, finding new places to go and giving us a little bit of structure around uh, some, some neat places to go as well as spreading out. So we're not all going to the exact same craggy gardens or Crabtree Falls or something else. I mean, that's, that's really the, really actually, if we were to distill it down, that's really the crux of this whole thing. That's really kind of why I wanted to be able to come on here today solo is to just not only just share these challenges, but help us all really experience these beautiful mountains and streams and waterfalls and trails without having 150 of our favorite friends at the same rest area in the parking lot. Um, because it is possible, believe it or not, it absolutely is possible. Two summers ago, two summers ago, I took my family and we were going up into Pisgah National Forest and every single pullout was chock full of cars, people on the side of the road, people walking down the side of the road. When we got to our destination, there wasn't a soul in sight. Well, actually, let me take that back. We saw three other people within the two or three hours that we were up in Pisgah Forest. So my objective is to not spoil all those spots for you. Again, I don't hold a monopoly. I don't hold the key to any of this. These are all public lands, but I really believe 
that there are enough experiences out there, there's enough destinations, there's enough places to go that we don't all have to be going to the exact same place. And you get to experience the beauty and the awe of this area far more than just this same picture that's been on Instagram or Facebook for the hundredth time. All right. So that's what we're going for today. All right. One last thing, and I promise you we're going to be underway. One of the things that we're going to talk about towards the end of this podcast, but I want to introduce it right now. Uh, it's not a new concept. If you are in the outdoors, then this is no um, th- this is not new information to you, but we really want to talk about leave no trace principles. It is highly important as we begin to kind of disperse out or hopefully people disperse out and begin to find some other areas that we do all that we can do to make sure that we um, leave it better than we found it, honestly. So the reason that a lot of places were shut down last year was because of the overuse, because of the trash, because of some other things. Now I realize there's a whole thing surrounding that, but there were so many people that were coming up here that um, it really was a burden on our natural resources. Um, We want everybody to come and enjoy this. This is for everybody again. However, there are some things we need to do, and we're going to talk about some leave no trace principles um, towards the end of the the podcast today, but just begin to kind of keep that in mind as you're thinking about going to discover brand new places or places that are new to you rather, places that aren't quite as populated that you want to make sure that we do everything we can do to kind of leave it that way. And one quick story, many of you on this podcast or many of you listeners of the podcast, you know that Max Patch is a case study for this. So many people love to go up and camp at Max Patch. The tra- the amount of trash and abuse of that that parcel was so bad that multiple organizations had to come in and sort of clean all that up. And once they did, there is now a moratorium on camping. So I think it is for two years, no camping is going to be allowed, no camping permitted on the top of Max Patch, which absolutely has ruined that whole experience for really kind of the, the rest of us. So anyway, we, we just want to make sure, I'm not going to beat that to death, but just understand we're going to talk about it at the end, but I just want to introduce it right here before we go. All right. All right. So first up, we're going to talk about waterfalls, waterfall challenge. Kevin Adams, who is the author of North Carolina waterfalls, it is his third edition of his book. He is sort of the quintessential guru of all things North Carolina waterfalls. So Kevin Adams, uh, his amazing book, definitely check out that that episode. Um, Kevin is a guy that has just so much energy. I love uh, the energy that he brings to everything that he does in life, but his passion for waterfalls is really kind of second to none. A lot of us love waterfalls. This man is absolutely head over heels enthralled with waterfalls. So um, I'm going to make a quick disclaimer here because it's going to affect this as well as the next section. I do not have any affiliate links. I do not make a dollar on any of these books that I talk about today. So I have no vested interest monetarily in this. I just think it's an amazing resource and I want to bring it to your attention as well. So North Carolina waterfalls by Kevin Adams. The really cool thing about this is that he breaks up the waterfalls into a 100, a 250 and a 500 waterfall challenge. 
and I think it's a pretty cool checklist to be able to go through. So um, if you you can print this out, it's both available in a Excel document as well as a PDF document. And I'm going to have the link for this. It's going to be in the show notes, as we always try to do to make everything we talk about be easily accessible to you. But the really cool thing about this is that it also has a hundred disabled access waterfalls. So you have the 100, you have the 100 disabled access of people that can get there um, who have some mobility challenges. They are not left out. They have an opportunity to uh, check out some of these amazing waterfalls as well. Then, like I said, you got the 250 and you have the the 500. Now, um, I've downloaded both the Excel spreadsheet as well as the, the PDF form. But the really cool thing about this is that it's also, it goes along with the book. So... I highly encourage you to buy the book. Again, I don't make a dime on it, but I highly encourage you to, to, to grab this book. Um, so he'll have page reference numbers, so you'll be able to see the waterfall. You'll be able to see uh, the length of the trail, the difficulty of the hike, and you're also going to be able to see pictures of it as well as the amazing directions to all the trailheads for the waterfalls. But the really neat thing, well, there's a lot of neat things, but one of the really neat things is that it's it's um, broken up by region. And so I'm looking at it right here. I've got the central and eastern hub. I have the Hanging Rock and Mayo River Hub, Elkin Hub, Stone Mountain State Park, West Jefferson, Boone, Blowing Rock Hub. So he has all of these waterfalls that you can just go to the list and say, hey, if I'm going from Charlotte to App State or to Boone, you know, here's a list right here. Boom, five waterfalls that you can go check out, and all of them are going to be um, on this list. Some range from short uh, to roadside to uh, moderate hikes, and it's really cool how in each of these challenges, Kevin has tried to make a mix of all different types. So um, the hundred isn't going to be just all roadside waterfalls. There are going to be some waterfalls that you, you kind of have to work to get to a little bit. Uh, so that's neat. And then you have, so I'm, I'm, as I'm going down this list here, the Grandfather Mountain Hub, then you have Elk Park Hub, Linville Gorge Hub. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different waterfalls within the Linville Gorge that you can go see. Um, so, you know, man, before I had this list, what I would find myself doing is seeing all these pictures that people were posting or it's a waterfall that was new to me. And then they're all over the place. And again, this goes back to me. I guess it's just the way that my brain's wired. But I go back to thinking, I want to go to this waterfall, then that waterfall, and that waterfall. Well, man, they're in the north, the south, the east, the west. You know, I'll be driving forever to go see four. But if I can go drive to one destination and see multiple waterfalls, how much better is that for fuel, for, for, for time, for the, the really the whole experience of the matter? Now, I know full well that not everybody is into a quote-unquote challenge or trying to get a patch or trying to get an award at the end of this experience, but um, just think of it this way. You have a list of 500 waterfalls with quick reference and access of how you can get there, how intensive the hike is, the scenic view will actually be graded on there for you, the scenic view of it, but then you have this running list. You've got this list that's always going to be at your fingertips. So I've got this in my laptop. Um, I can get it in my phone. Um, the PDF can stay uh, on my phone as well. So I'm always trying to have this as accessible as I, as I possibly can. So I would encourage you to do the same thing. So here's just a really quick example, right? So right now I'm looking at the Lake Toxaway South Hub. And in this, it shows me on his spreadsheet, that it is beginning at about two, uh, page 245. So when I go to page 245 in his book, 
Uh, and again, let me say this. If, if you don't have the book, I, I mean, it's okay. You can still get these lists. You're gonna, you can go to his website and you can pull this list off. But I'm just telling you that this book is going to be a huge, huge benefit to you. And I really think that anybody who loves waterfalls, if you love coming to this area, you, you got to have this book. You just do. Anyway, I don't make a dime. I just love the book. All right. So I'm on page 245. And when I go there, the very first thing that you're going to see is a map. It's an overview map. So when I'm looking at the Lake Toxaway South, so we're talking about the area up in the Highlands, sort of cashiers, it's going to be south of 64. Um, so it's kind of this area sandwiched in between 64, which runs um, east and west, obviously, and the South Carolina border and the Whitewater River. So Highway 107. So when you look at this, there are 38 different waterfalls that I can go visit just in this one stop. So I know a lot of people head up to Cashiers and Highlands. It's a very, very popular place. We have a ton of listeners that are uh, listening in from Atlanta. So for you all that, that come up to the Cashiers Highlands area, just know that you also have 38 different waterfalls that you can go explore. And you don't just have to go look at Dry Falls and go look at Whitewater Falls. All those, those, both of those are absolutely amazing. There are other waterfalls that you can go explore too. And just, man, just have, have that sort of sense of... Uh, um, solitude, which is very rare, especially in the fall, but I promise you that it absolutely can be found. So once you're here and you're looking at these uh, 38 waterfalls, um, they'll have a description on the beauty. There's a beauty rating. Uh, there's an accessibility, whether it's a trail or you have to bushwhack, uh, the river, it's going to tell you what river it is. It's going to tell you the watershed, whether it's a big watershed, small watershed, uh, you're going to learn the elevation, uh, you're going to learn the type and height. So, I'm looking at Twin Falls here, for example, in this area, and it's a part steep slide, part free fall. The overall height is about 15 feet. Just another example. The other thing it's going to give you, uh, if it's located in a state park, it's going to give you the USGS map, as well as waterfall GPS and trailhead GPS, if you're somebody who uh, is into that sort of thing. So a lot of really cool things in this book. It lays it all out for you. Do a challenge. Right now, honestly, I'm trying to work on my 100 challenge. That's the challenge that I'm working on right now. It doesn't mean there isn't some crossover, but um, right now I'm trying to work on that 100 waterfall challenge. All right, so I'm going to share sort of a real-life example of how uh, these uh, this book and these lists have helped me and where I was before I got to those lists. So Courthouse Falls. I was trying to check out Courthouse Falls. Um, I didn't know what else was actually in the area. I didn't have any other information other than Courthouse Falls is off from this particular state, uh, state road or, or Forest Service Road. Um, I knew the general location. I knew that it was Highway 215 in between Rosman and the Blue Ridge Parkway. So it's almost kind of sits halfway in between uh, there. It's just outside of Balsam Grove. It's actually the headwaters of the French Broad River. Um, of course, again, a lot of our listeners, you all know that. You're probably already one step ahead of me. But Courthouse Falls, right? So I wanted to check out that one. I think I had a friend tell me about it Um Maybe she had taken a, a, a photograph. I'm not sure. But anyway, that was my anchor. That was where I was going. And this is long before I had the book. It's long before I had waterfalls. And again, I'm still exploring a lot of this stuff. So I'm not way down the road of having my 500 waterfall patch. I'm still discovering a lot of these things, you know, on my own too, just like a lot of you all are. So Courthouse Falls. Uh, when you look in Courthouse Falls and you look in his book, though, what you realize is that there are 18 other waterfalls right here in this area in the Balsam Grove hub. That's where Courthouse Falls can be found. So 
my initial trip was to go to Courthouse Falls. Now I have this book. Now I have these lists. Now I realize that there's so much more that's in this area. Now me just driving up 215 out of uh, Highway 215 out of out of Rosman. I mean, I found Mill Shoals. I found Bird Rock Falls. I found the Living Waters Ministry, which is right off of Highway 215 in Balsam Grove. Which, by the way, thank you, thank you, thank you profusely for that ministry and that those people allowing all of us to go and just wander on their grounds and see the different waterfalls. Um, if you, in fact, if you only had time, if you're in that area and you had time to do one thing, I would say go there. And it is going to contradict everything I have talked about, about being in a, having a sense of solitude because it's not going to be that. There's going to be a lot of other people there, but Change up the time of year that you go. Don't always go in the summertime if you can help it. Definitely get there in the fall. Get there in the early spring when all the new blooms and buds are coming out and and you have good flow. It's unbelievable, this place. So another small example that is related and it kind of ties in is Sunburst Falls. So Sunburst Falls is a picture, excuse me, is a waterfall that I originally saw in in pictures, uh, some, some photographers that I follow and it was just absolutely breathtaking. And so I tried to beeline it to Sunburst Falls, first chance I had after I saw those photos. And what I realized was that in the process, I was pa- I had to have been passing waterfalls because when you come off 215 uh, north of the Blue Ridge Parkway, you begin to see water immediately. And it isn't until you get around a few bends that Sunburst Falls uh, comes into view. And obviously you've got to hike down into the parking is very limited, but you get, if you hike down into the, the gorge there, which uh, just be, be careful, it's really easy, but it's, uh, it's beautiful. The views are absolutely beautiful. But when I got the book, I realized that there are four other waterfalls that I passed on my way from Balsam Grove up to Sunburst Falls. So I passed Bubbling Spring Branch. I passed Lower Bubbling Spring Branch, uh, Lower Wildcat Falls, uh, as well as upper bubbling spring uh, branch falls. And so all those waterfalls are right there off from 215. So it's very easy to sort of check those off the list. Not that you're doing this to check things off the list, but again, you're using it as a guide for your exploration and for your adventures. But right there, there's five different waterfalls, not to mention that there are 23 waterfalls in that whole particular region that they call the Shining Rock and Middle Prong. So if you know the Shining uh, Rock and Middle Prong Wilderness Area, uh, they, there are what, 23 different waterfalls right in there that you can have the chance to see. So uh, hopefully you're getting the idea that this book and these resources are amazing, and then they can lead you to some places that you just had no idea were there, and hopefully, hopefully get off the beaten path a little bit too. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the Lookout Tower Challenge. And what we're talking about here are the fire lookout towers that uh, were here in the beginning of the 20th century, I believe it was, in North Carolina. And then went through a year, uh, excuse me, a period of time where they were very popular, very useful. Uh, And then as uh, technology took over, uh, that became less and less of an importance and uh, technology sort of took over. So since the early 20th century, the forest agencies have been using these these fire lookout towers. Now, you remember that Peter J. Barr was on the uh, podcast recently. It was a two-part episode that we did, uh, and I really encourage you to listen to um, both of those episodes. It really kind of tells Peter's story and his uh, passion for um, what we all now can 
can take part of its passion for his fire towers. And so he was very instrumental in helping to raise uh, the funds and the awareness of the need to raise funds. Um, a lot of other people are involved. I won't go through the whole episode for you, but just know that uh, the book that I'm referring to is going to be Exploring North Carolina's Lookout Towers with Peter Barr. I love it. I absolutely love this book. Not only did I uh, buy one for myself, but uh, I got my dad one for his birthday. I got him a hard copy of uh, the book, and he absolutely loves it. And Peter was nice enough to uh, sign it for him. Um, he is somewhere out on the road in the United States. I believe he's up in, I don't even know where he is right now. But anyway, he is he is, he is out there. Um, but I really appreciate Peter being able to, uh, to send my dad uh, that book. All right, so as we dive into this, one of the things that is uh, very much like Kevin Adams' uh, book, and, and again, in that episode, you're going to hear that uh, both Peter and Kevin are very, very good friends. That's why you're going to see some similarities in, in their book style. But um, our friends over at the Pisgah Map Company, they did the uh, all the maps for uh, Peter's book, and they have done, as they always do, a remarkable and outstanding job. All right, a couple things before we get down the road here with the North Carolina Lookout Towers is uh, a couple of acknowledgments. One, uh, Kevin Adams, who was the author, we just talked about it with North Carolina Waterfalls. Kevin Adams, and you're going to hear this in his episode, he really encouraged uh, Peter uh, on this project. And so one of the things he agreed to was to provide all of the photography. So if you know anything about Kevin Adams, um, his photography is amazing. And he is the one that's responsible for the photographs in uh, the Explore North Carolina Lookout Towers book. So for that reason alone, and just the unbelievable views, you uh, really want to get this book. The other reason you really want to get this book is if you want to go out and explore some of the most epic 360-degree views that you can that you can find um, without having to do a you know 10-mile backpack trip or hiking trip, uh, you know, and kill yourself to get to some of these summits, these vistas. All right, so a couple of characteristics of these fire towers and really kind of why I think that it really kind of lends itself to a theme of adventure for all levels, adventure for all people, because uh, some of these fire towers, I mean, you're going to have to work to get to. Some of them are, are, are difficult. And in this book, you'll get uh, directions, you'll get explanations, you'll get trailheads, you'll get um, all the information that you need to know about how to get to that particular tower. But one of the really, really cool things is that some of these towers, you can drive almost all the way up to the very top, or some you have an option of driving up to the top, taking a short hike. Others, you have a short hike, long hike. So really, however you want to arrive at these fire towers is kind of up to you. So you can take it as easy as you want, or you can take it as uh, challenging as, as you would like to make it. But um, at the end of the day, when everybody gets to the same spot, they're going to have the same views. All right, a couple last things before we move on. Uh, one is, if you remember... These fire towers were in disrepair for a number of years um, after the 70s, from the 70s to the to the 2000s, and uh, so a lot of them were in complete disrepair, and they weren't being uh, maintained, they weren't being managed. A lot of money was raised, a lot of conservation groups, a lot of people who really care about the North Carolina uh, lookout towers, they made investments. And one of the things that's unfortunate about this is that they've become so beautiful now uh, and restored, and they spent so much money to do it that a lot of the cabins are closed off, and you can't get up there any longer. So a lot of times you could take the steps all the way up, and then it's going to be um, locked off, gated off from there. One thing I would say before I go on, I, I just have to is um, don't don't be a jerk, don't mess it up. 
Don't mess it up for the rest of us. We don't need to carry spray paint up there. We don't need to climb, uh, you know, around gates and get up there just to get the, you know, the best picture. Let's not do anything that's going to ruin it for the people. Well, for us now to enjoy, to at least get to those spaces and then for the people that come after us. So let's, uh, let's be clear headed and, and smart about that piece. All right. And one last thing before we move on, just remember this, when we're out there enjoying all of these restored fire towers, just know that the North Carolina Forest Service, the National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the North Carolina State Parks, people like Peter J. Barr and others are, um, we, we owe a, a tremendous amount of uh, gratitude to them for all that they've done. So let's just make sure that we're respectful and taking care of the uh, good things that have been bestowed upon us. All right, so we'll just get right into the book. And one of the things you'll notice right off the bat with this is that it, again, it has the same flavor as North Carolina Waterfalls with Kevin Adams, but um, it's extremely well done. Um, Our friends over at the Pisgah Map Company, uh, I'm thrilled that they did a bang-up job with these maps. They partnered up with uh, Peter, and they put together a uh, an overview map at the very beginning of the book, and then each chapter uh, is broken. Each chapter is broken up into a region, and then those regions have their own map made by the Pisgah Map Company. So it's really cool because um, they're obviously Pisgah Map Company does amazing maps. But when you can see all this stuff from a cartographer's perspective, I think it's uh, it's it's really cool. All right, so two primary resources to get your list of lookout towers, or if you want to do the lookout tower challenge, um, the easiest way is going to be actually in the front of this book. So opposite the page of the overview map that lists all of North Carolina towers, you have a list of all of the lookout towers as well. And you can also access it under the Carolina Mountain Club website. Now the list that you're going to get from the um, Carolina Mountain Club uh, it comes in a PDF. It's 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 really nice. So it lists out each of the lookout towers. Um, it has a place for the date height, and it also gives you a place to write the route or the trail uh, that you took, including the total mileage for your adventure. So those are the two primary ways we can get that list. Um, the one thing that I will tell you about the book that I I just genuinely love is that he made it easy. Peter made this very easy for us. Uh, so at the beginning of every single chapter, you're going to have a map that's put together by the Pisgah map company. And as I, I was mentioning earlier, and it's for every single one of these chapters and it lists out, uh, on this map where each of the locations are, um, of the, the fire towers. So, um, I love that because it gives me an idea, right? So for example, I'm looking at one right here, the Blue Ridge and the Black Mountains. This is chapter seven, the Blue Ridge and Black Mountains. And this is going to be just north, um, northwest of us, or excuse me, northeast of, of us in Asheville. And so you have three lookout towers. You have Mount Mitchell, Green Knob, and you have Little Snowball. Uh, and so it's nice to have this pictorial that I can kind of look at and see, hey, man, there's three there as opposed to, you know, finding one and driving two hours and not knowing that there's one just, you know, very close by. So I do love that component of, um, of, of the book. And then likewise, what you get is not only all of this important details like trailhead directions, um, but you get the history behind it. And so it's kind of cool to read up on the history of something uh, before you get there. To me, it just kind of brings it, uh, kind of brings it to life. And it goes without saying that when we get on top of these lookout towers, um, the views are just, um, it's just undeniably beautiful. And there's, 
you know, we have very few opportunities to get some long range views like that other than getting up in these lookout towers. So hopefully you know, what this will become for you is an opportunity not only to do the lookout tower challenge, but just, you know, discover some new places like way a ball lookout tower in near Franklin, uh, North Carolina, you know, if you go there, make it a day. Go check out the Lazy Hiker. Go, you know, brewery in downtown. Go check out how cool it is that the AT runs right through, you know, Franklin. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of history and heritage that um, is, is directly related to the trails and the outdoors in that community. So, um, you know, go check out the whole area. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about are some hiking challenges. And again, the whole purpose is to give some alternative options to some trails, some places where you can come and enjoy all the beauty uh, of the Western North Carolina mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains, but perhaps not in as much of a crowded area. So the, the area that we're going to focus on is going to be uh, in the Hendersonville area, Brevard, Columbus, Lake Lure. Um, it's all of this area that is south of 40 and it's north of the South Carolina border. So those areas right um, near the base of the Blue Ridge Escarpment and also running into Brevard and then up into um, Hendersonville as well. Um, and so the counties that we're going to be talking about are going to be Transylvania, Hendersonville, Polk, and then we are also going to shade into Rutherford, Jackson, Haywood, and really parts of South Buncombe, and dipping down into Landrum. Now, if you are familiar with this particular area, you probably know exactly what I'm going to say, but the driver for me behind this was Conserving Carolina, and we're going to talk in a few upcoming episodes, actually, about conservation. And so over the last few years, this area has really... I know it's partly because I live here, but really what has grabbed my attention and has made me focus in and lean in a little bit more is the conservation effort. And I'm really hoping to have uh, Conserving Carolina on the podcast uh, at some point, uh, some of the current staff. And if you remember Peter J. Barr, that episode with North Carolina Lookout Towers, then you know that he was very instrumental in designing a lot of the trails in this particular area. So that's the area we're going to focus on today. And again, uh, I really do believe uh, it's not like you're going to go out there and be in the backcountry wilderness and not see anybody. You are going to see people. But I think that you really stand a great chance of not having uh, trails that are completely overcrowded. There's a lot of new trails uh, in this area. And that's what we're going to talk about here. Okay, so I fully recognize that Conserving Carolina may not be recognizable to everybody, but I bet to a large extent of our listeners, that the DuPont State Forest is something that you have heard of. The DuPont State Forest and the DuPont State Forest Waterfall. So when we talk about Hooker Falls, Triple Falls, High Falls, Bridal Veil Falls, all of those falls within the DuPont State Forest, Conserving Carolina actually had a lot to do with that. Um, so Conserving Carolina is really conserved as the catalyst. The first 7,600 acres of what ultimately became DuPont State Forest DuPont State Recreational Forest was actually purchased by the Conservation Fund and then by the state of North Carolina in 1996. Since then, DuPont has has grown tremendously uh, to over uh, 12,000 acres. So it's amazing that right here we have so many acres of protected forest, hopefully uh, forever. And we owe a large amount of gratitude to not only Conserving Carolina, but a lot of other user groups as well. 
All right, but for now, in our sake of time, we're going to just talk about this one challenge. We're going to talk about the Hiking Challenge 5 is what it's called. Again, I'll have links. It's going to take you right to the Conserving Carolina uh, webpage. As, and then from there, you can branch out and you can you can check out all these trails um, from the comfort of your own home and then go out and explore. So one of the first ones that's on here is the Bear Walla Mountain. And this has become a favorite of our family. Uh, my daughter was just up there recently. She loves this particular area. Um, it sits at about 4,200, a little over 4,200 uh, feet above sea level. It's the highest peak in this widely visible Bear Wallow Highlands range. Um, it straddles the Eastern Continental Divide, and it forms the upper rim of the Hickory Nut Gorge. And it is absolutely breathtaking. You have this huge grassy meadow at the summit. Uh, you have 360-degree views. You can take the trail up, which is it has a new trailhead, easily recognizable by the Conserving Carolinas trailhead. Uh, and then you can also loop down on a gravel fire road or loop up on the fire road and then come back down on the trail, whichever, whichever suits your fancy. But, um, I would highly recommend this particular trail. Uh, the next one is the DuPont state recreation forest. So the waterfall, they call it the waterfall trifecta. So if you've never visited hooker high falls or triple falls, I cannot encourage you to check out these waterfalls enough. We actually adopt, uh, triple falls and high falls, uh, as part of the waterfall keepers. And so, uh, we're very uh, proud of the work that all the volunteers do to um, keep these waterfalls clean and pristine and in great condition for all of us. The third one is the Florence Nature Preserve or Rattlesnake Knob. The really cool thing about this is that it is also in the Hickory Nut Gorge, so it's not too very far away from Bear Wallow. Uh, now, understand that this area, again, that we're talking about is south of 40. It's north of... Uh, the South Carolina border, and it's right there on that Blue Ridge Escarpment area. Uh, so Florence Nature Preserve, it's one of the newer ones. It is, um, it's on 74 in between Bat Cave and Fairview. So it's in the little town of Girton. There's over five miles of hiking trails and there's 600 beautiful acres right here in this area of the little Pisgah Mountain. It features pristine creeks and cascades, scenic rock outcrops, the ruins of old home sites, and, and large areas of, of really old growth forest. So this is a relatively new trail. So I really feel like this is probably going to be one for a while until a lot of people begin to find out about it, that you can have a little bit of a secluded backcountry experience. The other one, the fourth one is the Headwater State Forest. This is Sassafras Mountain. Now, this is the highest point in South Carolina. And so the views are across the Headwater State Forest and, and also Table Rock. The interesting thing about this is that there is a large uh, viewing platform, we'll just call it, at the very, very top of uh, Sassafras Mountain. Um, there's over 6,000, just under 7,000 actually acres that are forever protected, featuring beautiful waterfalls, trout streams, and really rare mountain bogs. So this is a, an area that uh, Conserving Carolina had a lot to do with as well. The fourth is the Norman Wilder Forest. You can go to Drip Falls. Um, the Oklawaha Greenway. This is actually a popular greenway. It's in Hendersonville. It's it's flat, so it's going to be great for all ability levels. And then you ha and then the last two on this list is going to be Weed Patch Mountain. So you have the Weed Patch Mountain Trail. You have Eagle Rock and Tunnel, and then you have Gray Rock. And each of these are going to be a little bit uh, different in in their own right. And one really amazing, interesting fact here is that the Weed Patch Mountain Trail, it's actually part of a larger vision that Conserving Carolina has for a 130-mile Hickory Nut Gorge State Park Trail network. So 
that's pretty darn impressive if you ask me. Um, but this particular area is relatively new. It opened in 2018. Uh, there's backcountry adventure for hikers. There's mountain bikers, like I explained, and also rock climbers. You will see a lot of rock climbers and people bouldering um, in this area. Uh, it's about an eight and a half mile. I think it's like 8.6 miles um, through really rugged mountain terrain. Um, it gives you the sense that you're in a remote wilderness area and you're right really right on the outskirts of the town of Lake Lures, Buffalo Creek Park. Okay, and then the last section of that is the Gray Rock Cliff. Now, one of the things about this particular trail, um, I mentioned that it's an award-winning uh, trail, but it has literally one of the absolute best views of the Blue Ridge Escarpment that you're going to find anywhere. Um, you can do this as a two-for-one. You can do it as a standalone. Um, if you're up for the challenge of riding a mountain bike, you can do that too. A lot of people have really been... Um, discovering and and uncovering the beauty of this area for especially for for mountain biking. So you got hikers, mountain bikers, and climbers that are um, taken to this area extremely uh, well. And again, one really cool thing I think about this Weed Patch Mountain uh, Trail system is that a lot of the views are actually going to be looking south and east. And so here we have the the beautiful benefit of having mountain peaks that are forty of them or so that are well over six thousand. Uh, all the way down to a little over 2,000, and then it drops off the escarpment. So the really nice thing about this is that you can experience all that beautiful fall color uh, early in the season, and then as it changes coming down the mountain, and then you get into this area, it really sort of extends that fall leaf season. So um, it's absolutely amazing. And then definitely check out Chimney Rock State Park. All the trails are, are that are within Chimney Rock State Park. But I think this weed patch is really going to give you a sense of being able to experience all the beauty of this area, the ruggedness, the outcropping, some waterfalls, some pristine creeks, but it is not going to be as crowded. So um, at least I cross our fingers. I, I think there's enough trail system here now that's built uh, that you really have an opportunity to get away. And really, that's what this whole thing has been about. All right. And let me close by saying this. This I want to share this last little piece of information with you. And I alluded to it just a few moments ago, but uh, conservation is something that really, um, I, I think I've always thought about it, but I don't know that I've really paid as much attention to it, admittedly, as I have been lately. And I'm very excited that in uh, some upcoming future episodes, we are going to be uh, visiting with some people who have had a major part of preserving um, protecting and then planning and and protecting some sustainable trail systems um, down the road. And I really think you're going to be excited to hear about these. Um, the first one that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks after this episode, will actually be the episode following this one, uh, is going to be working with a group of people out of Old Fort and some trails that are going up into the uh, grandfather district of the Pisgah National Forest. There's some amazing people. I cannot wait for you to hear their stories. Uh, and then we're also going to be talking about the Fontaflora Trail. That's a trail that ultimately, when it's complete, it'll go from Morganton all the way to Asheville. And right now there are sections of that trail that are complete. They are working to raise some funds for uh, some connector trails. But the Fontaflora Trail, um, I encourage you to go ahead and maybe look that up. Uh, and maybe look up the G5 Collective because you begin, you can begin to understand and read and, and find out a little bit more about some of the new uh, conservation efforts and some trail design. Um, and I just, again, I'm, I'm so blown away at the dedication that these groups of people have and these organizations have to create these amazing spaces for us and amazing trails. 
and I'm so excited to learn more about them, um, not only just learning about them, but exploring them as well. So uh, be on the lookout for that. That is going to be coming up soon. So I hope that maybe in this little section you have a new trail to put on your list for the fall. All right. The last thing I like to mention are just really quickly, just some leave no trace principles. And this is another thing that has become very important to me uh, over uh, the last few years, especially as I learn again more about the conservation efforts. Um, I'm trying to be a better steward and I'm trying to make sure that if I'm encouraging people to come and explore that um, we're doing it responsibly as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, really what this boils down to is just if you use your common sense, really, that's really kind of what this comes down to. So um, the things that we've talked about today are uh, both new trails, new spaces, newly protected areas, and the fire towers that have been preserved, hopefully now preserved for the next several decades uh, because of the investment that's been made, the increase in awareness of really kind of protecting and preserving these areas. So let's not take it for granted, but if you're just to rip through them, there's seven of them. Uh, the first one's plan ahead and prepare. That's always a good idea. Travel and camp on durable surfaces. That's number two. Number three, dispose of waste properly. This one, we are, as human beings, sometimes we can be the biggest offenders of this. So let's please make sure, dispose of all of our waste properly. Pack it in, pack it out. Leave what you find. That's number four. Number five is minimize campfire impacts. Uh, one of the things that you probably heard in or remember from Peter Barr's episode is that uh, in one of the fire towers, people actually in the cab were starting a fire and the fire burned through the floor of that cab, which is why... We can't get into these cabs now, so be mindful there. Respect wildlife always, and lastly, just please be considerate of the other visitors. We have uh, no monopoly on any of the trails or anything. Again, we're all guests in this space. What it really kind of boils down to, again, is use your common sense and be considerate of other people. Just be nice. I really do believe it's possible to find places and ways to enjoy adventure here in the Blue Ridge Mountains that don't involve overcrowding. Let's face it, the reason the more popular vistas and views are crowded is because they're just that, popular. But the truth is, with thousands of acres of unspoiled beauty spread throughout the stunning Western North Carolina mountains, it is possible to experience some solitude on your next Blue Ridge adventure with just a little advanced planning. I really hope today's episode helped in that regard. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, then you'll definitely want to subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date with all future episodes. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and feel free to reach out to me at mike at explorationlocal.com if you have an idea for a future episode. I'd love to connect with you there. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. And until we meet again, I encourage you to wander far, but explore local.